6 a.m. on a Sunday. The, uh, is the 20th, February 20th. We spent all day yesterday going through stuff in your great-grandmother's bedroom. And uh, we, where we go? Um, a lot of keys in this. Oh, my lord. Oh, man. <laughs> um, sorry, terrible noise. Your grandpa came over and was going through stuff, and your mom and I, it's the first time we've ever done this, but I was downstairs actually editing the last podcast, and I'm, you know, try, putting it through uh, an audio editing program that I use to blend in music and all that, your mom comes downstairs and she says, come with me, let's go, I'm like, where? And we got in the car. And we drove on the other side of the city and got donuts. Donuts from the place you guys rode your bikes to. And then we came back home. And you kids were fine. And it kind of blew my mind that we could even do that. It was a little crazy. But it was a fun little adventure we had. Um, kids were not interested in donuts and after that we uh, we went to um, to work on the house and your grandpa came over it's hard you know it's very hard for me to go through all these photos there's like thousands of photos in this room and your mom wants to go through every single one picture by picture and show me and I'm like, no, let's just put it all in one place. We'll go to it later. Let's clear the whole thing out and shampoo the carpets. Let's start moving stuff in. Like, I'm I'm more of the big picture guy, so. It's a good thing your mom's into detail or we throw everything out. So we're talking about David today. David, uh, <clears throat> who uh, is the son of Jesse. I forget which tribe, I believe it's there in the tribe of Judah, but I, I'm working from memory here. Pretty sure they called David the Lion of Judah. And it was prophesied that Jesus would come out of that line. The Messiah would come out of the, the line of the tribe of Judah. So, And we'll, I mean, we'll eventually get to that. A lot of things in this story reminds me of my father my dad would always say not always say but he he would bring a little bit of olive oil and he would anoint people with oil when they when he prayed for for them he'd like put the sign of the cross on people's foreheads even after he uh after he um converted to protestantism from catholicism he said anointing someone with oil is a very special thing to do. And he, he had a lot of thoughts on it. And I wish I could remember them. There's a powerful scene, though. David being anointed with oil. And I read a book, and I mentioned it before, by Clifford Graham, which is called The Song of War series. And it describes in detail, of course, fictionalized, but it describes in detail the amount of oil used to anoint David. 
And the guy that wrote the books is a historical warfare expert, went to West Point, and, and he did a lot of research about Israelite culture. According to his book, people were, when people were anointed with oil, it was like a jug of oil poured all the way down his body. So, I don't think Samuel, there's, stands to reason that Samuel didn't just put a little drop of oil on David's head. He probably just drenched him with olive oil. Bringing, sorry, there's like a pause there. Having Jesus, here we Having David um, become the next king is a turning point, I think, in Israelite in, in the Israelite culture. And that Saul was more of a selfish king. And David true was selfish, but he was always after God's heart. And this is going to this is gonna help Israel just flourish. because I kind of like want to have a Coke. Maybe a sausage McMuffin. I don't know. Probably just a Coke. I'm not, not really that hungry. Oh, I'm tired. Couldn't sleep. Last night we were watching uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and I was just falling asleep and I was getting really mean to the kids, to you kids, and your mom's like, George, just go to bed. You're fine, just, you're being a jerk. <laughs> and I was. And so I, I like changed my attitude, but then I like, I blinked, and then like a half hour went by, and I was like, nope, go to bed. So I, I didn't even tell anyone, I just went upstairs, went to bed, and your poor mom, that's not like the best thing to do. Your mom wants help, and I kind of abandoned her last night. And even opened? It's lit up. Oh, it's got a meal. So I went to bed and the spy when he was going to bed he like went into our bed and your mom slept somewhere else last night. I don't know where. Okay, hang on a second guys. Hi, can I get a, a large Coke and a sausage sausage burrito? Large Coke and a sausage burrito. That's it. Okay, Coke, Coke, Alright. You're probably thinking, why is there someone here this early? It's almost six, so it's not not too early. Alright, here we go. Good morning. Alright. No, thank you.
Thank you. I use these paper straws, and I hate paper straws. Just taste different. I'm not wrong. So th this is the part of the, the Old Testament that kids really love reading about. King David, Goliath. That's about it. There's so much more. It's so rich. There's so many things. So many cool things going on. The The relationship between David and Jonathan is outstanding. It's so underrated and not discussed enough. You're going to you're going to be reading about how David is going to, to ascend Saul, and Saul knows it. And Jonathan, who is Saul's son and heir apparent, he should be the next king. You know, uh, he loves David. They're like best friends. That's unheard of. You would think that they would try and kill each other. I mean, later on, you know, Herod ends up killing his own children to prevent him from being, you know, being replaced. It, it gets that twisted, but when the kingship of Israel begins, it doesn't begin on a very high note with Saul, but his son, Jonathan, um, his heart is so in the right place. So I'm now driving around um, town looking for a place to have a well-lit parking lot or something so I can read some chapters. Sorry, I'm got the sniffles this morning. Every morning. Ever since my operation on my nose, it's... I had the sniffles more. Where the hell am I? I think I'm lost. I've only lived here 18 years. Okay, I think I know where I'm at. I just turned down a street I never turned down near the water. And Okay. How are you guys doing? I never really ask. <clears throat> I mean, since there's no back and forth here, but... <sighs> I wrestled with the king yesterday. Oh, he just got so much energy. And I, like, twisted him up. And he was fighting so hard for, like, a long time. Then I let him go, and he had all this extra energy. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? You should be exhausted by now. I am. But if only. I'm going to pause it for a second, because I'm, like, being so quiet. It's like, there's... So much to talk about, but I can't think. So give me a second. I don't know if I mentioned this. But we're going to be installing a bees hive in our backyard soon. So I'm excited about that. I've been wanting to do that for years. So I finally took the plunge. Your mom always told me we have to wait until the kids are older. I figure our youngest is six right now. And they'll know not to go underneath our avocado tree. So it's like a 
big bushy tree right now. They're not gonna, um, they're probably not gonna disturb it. <sighs> Everything's so dead right now in this town. Businesses are starting to open up a little bit. For a while, the Safeway was 24 hours, and after COVID hit, it went from like, I think midnight, it would be closed between midnight and 6 a.m., so it's just getting open right now. <sighs> we'll be waking the kids up later so we could go to church. We have two services at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock at our church. probably go to the 11 o'clock then the, what the goal is we go home and we just rest the rest of the day we just hang out let your kids be on screens play board games you know do, do some fun stuff let me record this and then go back to bed I felt bad leaving the spy all in our bed you know, in his starfish position I don't know where the other people are sleeping, but I'm afraid to go in your other kids' room because it'll probably wake people up, so I don't want to do that. <sighs> Alright, back. Let's see. Are we recording it? Okay. I hit pause. Veterans Memorial Park, which I drive past. The flag was blown in the wind prequel, so I just took a picture of it. So there's like a, a blip or something in the audio that's probably from it. And did I tell you, like, this is the time of year where, like, all the cherry blossom trees are just blooming and it's beautiful? I love it. Some joggers out. You know, the other day, when I was walking home from the office really early, and it's still dark, out of nowhere, I'm listening, I listen to music on the way back um, home, and I walk, and I saw these joggers, these three ladies jogging together, which is smart, but they also had vests on that were, that illuminated. It wasn't like a glow-in-the-dark thing. It was like actual, like lit up. They probably had to use batteries or something, like something out of Tron which is a very old reference movie. <sighs> I miss you kids. I'm already gone, like, you kids live at home and I still miss you, like, I wanna just be around you all the time. We have a party next weekend for the king, he's turning nine. He'll be nine on Tuesday. Excited about that. He's such a good kid. You are a great kid, by the way. Child number three. Very excitable and a lot of things I'll... Your mom's going to start telling you the birth story. A lot of things I, I love so much about you. You're so much like my father. So much like him. I remember so... Like, all the births I remember pretty vividly. I have a, I have a great memory, which in a lot of, case, a lot of cases it's a it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a curse. Um, I, I remember we're in the hospital and 
and I'd never heard water break before. Never heard it. And for your mom, so set the stage. I'm glad I'm talking about this because you know it's your birth. Um, <laughs> your your mom is there. Your aunt Sarah is taking over the whole thing, and I'm just kind of like in the background watching. I feel I kind of felt like a spectator. I I had a lot of emotions to work out with your mom after that. Luckily, she's she knows what she's doing. What she's talking about emotions and. and so your aunt is doing her massage and chiropractor thing or whatever the hell it is. Um, and she's a doula as well. And your and your mom is is working through all the pain. And out of nowhere I hear this loud like deep pop. I can't explain it. It sounded like if you had like a really thick balloon and you just squeeze it so hard and it popped. And then thick water just poured out. And I heard this pop. And then you hear, and I saw water spill from the ground from you know where. And I got nauseated for about 10 seconds. I was just like, oh gosh, was that the sound? It was so stark. And it's just in my head forever. That's that's just a memory. It's like I don't know if it's a core memory, but that memory ain't being forgotten anytime soon. And then you ended up, and then you came, and you were there. It was a it was wonderful. You were such a and you're such a good baby. You're I mean I'm not saying some of you weren't, but you were so I would say mellow. You you slept through the night relatively well. We slept, sleep trained you pretty well too. Oh, I remember that like it was yesterday. So your mom will be telling the birth story to you today. And you know what I found? I was cleaning out my office, uh, a, a cabinet in my office, and I found the clip that clipped your uh, belly button, your umbilical cord. And I'm I'm positive it's yours. Positive. Let me put the heater on because it's cold. So I'm in the ferry parking lot. There are like no cars anywhere. Your mom would not be okay with this. But I'm going to park in the middle so no one can block me in. And I think I'm going to... I'm going to read from here. I kind of want to keep the car running in case someone comes. We're at a... There's a car coming in actually right now. What's this jabroni want? No clue. They're parking the same way I am. <laughs> In the middle of a parking spot. Sorry, I'm like sniffling so much. I've not even gotten to David yet. Alright. This is... Does it matter? Like, I'm not doing the same translation Bible. I'm sure that's not what you're really worried about. I believe this is the English Standard Version that I'm using right now. Well, we're about like a, a sixth through the Bible right now. Or maybe, maybe a fifth, a sixth? I don't know. We're doing pretty good, huh? 
Well, you know, I love the smell of, of a Bible. I, the smell of a Bible, just the, the pages. I don't know what it is. The leather. I don't like a hardback Bible. Did I mention that? I like the soft leather or imitation leather. I, I like that in a Bible. It's great. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna read 16 and 17. And oh, I love these chapters. 16, 17. Like the rest, the rest of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, Kings and Chronicles. So much action. And so much to unpack. I'm gonna sip my Coke at 6 a.m. That's normal. To me. All right. <sighs> Chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to the sacrifice to the Lord, and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me in him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When the, in a, pause it. Samuel is probably the, if Saul is the most famous person in Israel, Saul must, or Samuel must be the second most, or vice versa. So I'm sure, you know, with a, when a judge, prophet comes to a town, you know, it could be dangerous. So it makes sense that people were trembling. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before me, him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. <clears throat> and, it, <coughs> and if I could tattoo that into your children's hearts and minds, so you always remember it, I would do so. I'm going to read that part again. But the Lord... Let's see. For the Lord sees not as man sees... Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was a ruddy and now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit of God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. 
So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well, and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. Now probably the most famous chapter in the Old Testament. I want to talk about chapter 16, by the way. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, but I, I, I'm like a little boy, too. I, I love reading this. Chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soka, and, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soka and Ezekah in the Ephem's Demin. Demim? And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze, and a cubit is between, uh, it's about 18 inches, so he was well over nine feet. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armored, armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that may fight uh, together. Excuse me. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. <coughs> now David was the son of the... Uh, Ephrathite of Bethlehem and Judah, see, it was from Judah, my memory certainly right, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadab, and third, Shema. David was the youngest. Three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep to, at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. Now Saul uh, and they and all the men in Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning, and left the sheep with the keeper, and took the provisions, and went, as Jesse commanded him. And he came to the encampment, 
as the host was uh, going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry, and Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army, and David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. This might be the first time David heard them. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. Yeah, that's a weird sense. And will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Meaning probably not paying taxes. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. I love that. Oh, I love David. He's such a great person. Now Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again, as before. His brother's probably upset that his little brother is trying to <clears throat> say some things. Uh, out of turn. I mean, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine, with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with a shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to him, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know 
that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear, for this battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to them to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put in his hand, put his hand in a bag, and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sherim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And Dayton, pay attention to this, children. And David took the head of the Philistine. This head is enormous, probably as big as his torso. Took the head of the Philistine and brought it to the Jeru- to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. Uh, oh, that's interesting. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? Uh, let's see. And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, Inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from striking down the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Still in his hand. He's still holding the the Goliath's head. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. And we're going to stop right there, because so much to unpack. Um... Uh, if I could teach, tell you one thing for you kids to always remember, it's not your outward appearance that God is looking at. It's your heart. And you hear this phrase a lot, it's your heart. It's what's in your mind. What are your intentions? What do you want? What do you want for other people? How do you really feel? That's what God's looking for. Do you love God? Do you want to love God? That's that's what's in your heart. As for David and Goliath, a, a lot of stories will say, well, David was courageous in facing Goliath, and he was a great warrior, and that's wrong. Bad theology. David uh, has great faith in God. And he knew he was going to prevail. A lot, I, I think a lot. Like, if, if I was just anointed the next king of Israel, I'll fight anyone. Because I know that I, God will save me. So maybe there's that going on. But here's a problem I see with this entire story. Uh, it, it goes back to Saul. Saul makes this huge mistake. He's letting one man in another enemy camp control the battle. Goliath comes out and says, hey, you know, I, someone fight me one-on-one, and whoever wins, wins the battle. Saul should have said, okay, army, attack, go, and sent his entire army out to kill all of them. But instead, Saul was scared and said, oh, who are we going to use? The, he's already accepting the enemy's premise of battle. That's wrong. Don't you ever do that. 
Satan's telling you something or someone's telling you something and, and you're accepting their premise, reject it if it goes against our theology. David was a savage because he had to be in these situations, but he was doing it to show and give glory to God. That's why he prevailed. His heart was in the absolute right and perfect place. He wasn't doing it for really so much for you know his father not having to pay taxes for, for the rest of his life or to get Michael, Saul's daughter in marriage or anything like that. He was doing it because there was a man insulting God and he wanted to show not just this man in the Philistines, but the world that Israel's God is the living God and the only God. That's why the story is so amazing. Is it amazing that a young kid killed a, a, a tall man? Sure. I think it's even more amazing David's faith in God and his righteous anger towards a man who is insulting him and his armies. So, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just an amazing story. But I don't want you kids thinking, oh, well, it's great because he killed a tall guy. It's not. It's great because David has faith and a, and a good heart. This, uh, the phrase David and Goliath is used a lot. and uh, I've heard, I've actually heard some, I, I read a book by Malcolm Gladwell who says, David was probably fighting a blind old man. That's what they think Goliath was. I think it's complete crap. People want to make excuses and try and debunk theology. I do have an archaeological study Bible. There's so much archaeology that proves not only this battle existed, but these taller people existed. I mean, they call them giants. They're just very tall people. And we have them today, by the way. Well, 6.30. I've talked way too much. Just heading home. Hopefully I don't wake up up when I get home. It would be nice to just get back and uh, probably go back to sleep with, uh, with what's-his-name youngest you kids are amazing and if you learn anything from these two chapters just know it's all about what's in your heart God will always be with you doesn't mean you should go to a bar and pick a fight with a guy that's insulting you who's about four feet taller than you it's not what it means But it does mean always keep God and in his, what I say, and his laws like written in your heart and obey them. I'm going to sign off, but uh, I love you. And, and you know, I, I think when you listen to these, I think I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do things. Pray for your siblings today and yourself and their families, if they have them. Pray for your mom, wherever she is. 
know, if she's home or if she's working, I don't know, and pray for your extended family, your aunts and your uncles and your cousins, that they may know the Lord like you guys do. And if you don't know the Lord, I would just ask that you go to church and pray. And if you're struggling with faith, ask God for faith. There's nothing wrong with that. If you struggle with your faith, you know what that's called? It's called being human. So don't let it get you down. We all have doubts. We all doubt. And that's fine. You know, just come back. And when you do, or if you're there right now, and in everything, do it for the kingdom and the king. I love you. As I sing of where my loyalties will rest To never wait on the governments to move As the broken and the poor cry out for you
Come 